0: Good morning everyone and thank you so much for tuning in to us to, with us today into shelter in peace we are broadcasting live from our studio, studios here in Roswell Georgia From AM 1160, The Quest, your Catholic radio station. And I am Mari Cleveland, and this hour I'm actually joined by our ever lovely producer, Annie Porter. Good morning. And I actually have a special guest co-host today. We have Father Martin Connor joining us. Good morning, Father.
1: Good morning. Great to be here.
0: We are so glad to have you here with us today. And Father Martin and I are going to be talking about um, just a real light topic today. Uh, we're going to talk about the topic of mercy. <laughs> <laughs> as I started to dive into this more, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is such a rich topic. It keeps, it's one of those that keeps giving and giving and giving. Um, but as all of our listeners know, the first thing we do when we first begin is we go to the Lord in prayer. So, Father, would you be willing to open us up in prayer this morning? Sure.
1: In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the the Holy Holy
0: Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Heavenly Father, we place before you these minutes, this next hour, in your hands. And we pray that all those listening and all those in prayer intentions that are accompanying us this hour, particularly in the area of mercy, Lord, we just ask you to bless those intentions and bless the, the hearts that are listening and open us up to that great plan that you have over our lives. Um, and forgive us for the struggles that we may have, or the blockage, or, or or the resistance sometimes that we can have towards you, in this area of mercy. So we just place this prayer in your hands, and we ask this always through Christ our Lord. Amen. From Amen. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Father. So as I said, you know, so the last couple of sessions we've been talking about programs, we've been talking about prayer and how important prayer is and our relationship with God. And mercy is just, was one of those, um, additional parts of our relationship with God that it almost just exemplifies. It's, it's kind of, it's who God is. Mercy, His mercy is everlasting. We read about that. We see Jesus just exemplifying mercy. Um, each of the saints just shows and demonstrates mercy. Jesus comes and talks to Sister Faustina about mercy. So it's all around us and it's in so many different ways. And, And um, but what's interesting is also recognizing that through our lives, we probably all experienced mercy. Um, Today is actually the feast of St. Martha. And so with St. Martha, I think everybody, when they think about St. Martha, they always think about the poor Martha. She's the one running around so burdened. But when I was thinking about mercy and I was thinking about St. Martha, I was thinking that, you know, she probably as she got to know Jesus. Her busyness probably turned into more acts of mercy Right, because she was so compassionate about doing things for for mm, people, mm. and I kind of feel like mercy is one of those. It's those the ways it's almost compassion and action. Right, Com- those people who have a real gift of mercy, they they're the ones who are really they they have the compassion, but they do things with their compassion. It's compassion and action. Right. So I couldn't help but think that you know maybe as Martha grew in her life and just through her her family life through her watching how Jesus healed her brother Lazarus and brought him back from the dead, that her busyness turned into instead of business, it really she let Jesus fill her with his love and his own mercy to the point that her busyness instead became um, a compassion and action, kind of a mercy. I don't know. I, I just kind of.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think what happens is that we all learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And, yeah. and what we know about St. Martha today is that she, you know, she fell into a lot of activism. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, who has not been in yeah. that situation before? So, and we all kind of know, though, we probably don't do it enough, we don't look back. Mm. And see what Christ has done in our life, and and really His how, how His mercy has made us better people and changed right? us
0: exactly. And
1: so, it's how important that is right, to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so, that is a perfect segue. I would love to hear more about your life. So, if you would share with our listeners, I mean, I think it's such a blessing here at Shelter in Peace. We get to have priests from time to time, um, and not all of us. A lot of us only get to hear from the priest in our own parish, but this way, from Shelter in Peace, we get to learn about more of our wonderful priests that we have. Um, and so, Father, we would love to hear more about you and your sure. life and kind of what's, sure, what's sure, happening sure, sure. in your background.
1: Well, I have been, uh, so I'm a member of the Legionaries of Christ. I've been in Atlanta now, um, wow, going on 10 plus years, almost 11 now. Ah. Uh, originally from Annapolis, Maryland, okay. where the United States Naval Academy is. I uh, was born and raised there and then went to school in Boston. Went to Boston College and, and um, studied philosophy there, and then entered the Legionaries. Uh, felt the the call, uh, particularly to the mission that the Legionaries have, which is, um, uh, a, in my opinion, a very exciting, um, transformative uh, way of looking at life. And that is that every human being has a mission in their life. Yes, and we want to open up minds and hearts to that uh, conversion. Because first mm-hmm. of all, it comes through an encounter with Christ um and then we we try to help them explore the gifts that they have
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and then form them or educate them in what we call an integral formation so mm-hmm. they can be an integrated human being yeah. and then put those gifts at the service of the church as a as a kingdom builder as an apostle yeah so um that mission when i first saw it uh it just totally just totally enamored me right that is great and uh, that's when i um So I entered it in 1990, and then I was ordained in 2001 in Rome Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with 37 other priests. And I spent my first years, my first mission, so to speak, in Dublin, Ireland. At a family center, I was there, and and I was in charge of of pretty much all of our lay work within Regnum Christi. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the legionaries are the the priestly branch of a bigger spiritual family movement called Regnum Christi, which means Kingdom of Christ in Latin. Um, and then we have consecrated men and women part of this family and also lots of lay people and young people. And so I was kind of pretty much in charge of that in um, Ireland and England and, and Wales for uh, probably about the, almost eight years. Okay. And then I came back stateside uh, for a couple of years in the Midwest. I was in Indiana working uh, with our father-son clubs, which we have a whole network of. And then I came to Atlanta in 2000. Uh, when was that? 2010.
0: Okay. Yeah. Great. So at this point, you should be able to say "y'all" and "y'all" you should, exactly. <laughs> after all these years, right? That's right. And and you and grit, probably,
1: have grits with my eggs or whatever they do. Like.
0: There you go, yeah, grits. Yeah. Yep, yep. And <laughs> and then you right. probably kippers and mash and things like that too, That's right? right? From being exactly. over. over. Exactly. That it's wonderful. So so what about you know when we were just talking about with Martha, you know God's mercy took her and transformed her and, and you say, you know, with your with in your order, you guys really have this purpose of helping people find who they are. But what about for you? What tell tell us a little bit more about kind of what do you think happened with you when you said you when you saw this mission, when you learned about this mission, it really struck a nerve for you. What what was God you doing know, in your well, heart?
1: One of the things was, um I have been one, My like my temperament it lends itself to wanting to be productive. Yeah. I want to do something.
0: Kind of like Martha, yeah? yeah kind of like Martha. <laughs> Say, Martha, help us, intercede for us, right?
1: So um, I was always conscious growing up and in my younger years of um, time. Mm. And so um, the Legionaries have a very interesting um, kind of aspect of their vow of poverty mm. uh, because we think, we look at time as a gift. Mm-hmm. And any formal fault on wasting time is a fault against our poverty. Mm, interesting. So but when I met the Legion and it's 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 kind of focused on the mission of the church and its love for the church, um, mercy had a big play in that because I had wasted so much time. Mm. And I remember, you know, when I was probably uh junior, senior in college when things started to happen in my heart that I I just said to God you've been so merciful for me to me because I've wasted so much time. You know, and I was sensitive to that. Yeah. I really was one in school and sports and different things the wanting to be productive to be I wanted to um not waste my time and then I realized how much I had time I had wasted. Mm. And so coming to contact with this community and this charism that was so interested in doing great things for Christ in the world and using your time well it really was a moment of mercy for Mm -hmm. sure in my life that allowed me to give thanks Mm -hmm. for his 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 patience with me (laughs) terrible deep patience like with me and uh that I needed in my life And, and then just uh you know, all the gifts that came with the vocation uh, to the priesthood and to religious life that were such a blessing to my life. And and truly, um, I, I, we always kind of say within the Legion, we always say that the Legion gets four times amount out of your life if you had lived it on your own.
0: If you'd lived it on your own.
1: Yeah, like the way we look at time huh. It, it multiplies yeah. our gifts, okay. Not just in our prayer time because we pray quite a bit every uh-huh. day. We're we're you know we pray three or four hours a day wow. if we include our, our, our mass and our breviary, um, because that's the engine, right? Um, so that is like the platform for everything else we do. You you cannot be a priest or an apostle for Christ unless you are grounded in mm-hmm. that contemplative reality. Right. Right. So the, the you know managing your time, how important that is today in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. And and we do look back and say, well, what a mess my life has been, and I wish I had done A, B, C, and D. So I just think those two principles are important. If I wanted, if I want to build His kingdom in the world, and I want mm-hmm. to be open to have Him using me, mm-hmm. then I really first and foremost need to be um, linked to Him. I need to be united to Him, like the you know the vine and the branch, as, as right. He says in the Gospel of John. So just to begin there, and and there He shows His mercy to us, right? I'm much he loves us and how close he is. And, and, and from there, um, you know, how he wants us to, to use his, the gifts that he's given us.
0: Yes, exactly. You know, it's interesting. I was just talking to a group of women last night and we were talking about what's the gift you've gotten from COVID? And everybody's like, the gift from COVID? Seriously? What? That's so, so weird. But we talked about time. We talked about that we all of a sudden had to be still and when i think of when i hear the term be still i automatically go into be still and know that i am god right the song right exactly. and yeah, that's exactly beautiful. what you're talking about you're saying okay but our time we don't want to think about it in human terms as far as how we spend it, our time but our time in in god's kingdom sounds and seems different because some people will say father you, you so you're really busy and you need, you're using your time wisely but you're spending 4 hours in prayer seriously yep. right yep. to the world yep. that doesn't yeah. sound yeah. but that's why we just spent two whole um time it's here on the radio we spent two whole programs talking about prayer because it's so like you said it's the engine it's what does all of this and it ties us to him and 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 we just need to be able to to soak in him there's a beautiful um quote i heard somebody talk about about mercy and they said um that um divine mercy is poured out upon us without reservation and it can't be earned And God doesn't love us because we're worthy, but we're worthy because he loves us. And so we soak in his divine mercy and therefore we are transformed.
1: Beautiful, yeah, Beautiful. yeah. So
0: when we soak in that it, and through that intimacy of of prayer, yeah. So one of the other things you just mentioned, you just mentioned a charism, and for those listeners who don't know what a charism is, a charism is a you know a free gift from God that mm-hmm. we have, and each of us has these spiritual gifts that God has given us, especially through our baptism and then strengthened through our confirmation. Right, and um, we actually did a show earlier, uh, right around in Pentecost, and talked about the charisms. But when I thought of mercy, what I realized is a lot of my my belief or my uh, understanding of mercy really came from more about the charism of mercy. Um, And I've done a lot of work and study around the charisms and talking about how if you have the charism of mercy... These are, you are a channel of God's love through your practical deeds of compassion. Um, you're the one who kind of notices those who suffer or those who are in distress, and you help them experience God's love. And we automatically think of somebody like St. Mother Teresa of mm-hmm. Calcutta, mm-hmm. right? She saw those who are in distress, who were suffering. And um, there's just a beautiful quote, too. She talks about, my poor ones in the world's slums are like the suffering Christ, in them, God's Son lives and dies, and through them, God shows me His true face. Right, right. Yeah. And so she just embodies and allows God to fill her, and then she pours out His mercy on them who are suffering through that that charism of mercy. So for me, that was kind of a um, that's that's kind of what I think about. For you, Father, when you think about mercy, are there there are more aspects to it that I think that people may want to understand or.
1: Yeah, I think so one of the <clears throat> one of the um difficulties that we have as human beings is we um we don't always see or perceive God the right way. Mm. Um and what I mean by that is um you know, oftentimes our struggles, our sins, our failings Separate us from God, Mm -hmm. and we feel that He would never forgive us. He would never, Mm. you know, He would never um, accept us because of these failings that we have. Um, I think often about mercy. You know that um, in the Old Testament, the identity of God was revealed through Moses in the burning bush. You know, I am who am, right? The mm -hmm. name of God was revealed in the Old Testament. Well, I, I often have contemplated that. Um, so that's the identity of God. I mm-hmm. am who I am. But the action of God mm. is actually the word mercy. Oh, wow. Fundamentally, uh, what God's action towards us is Mm -hmm. one of mercy, Mm -hmm. right? Because we are so frail Mm -hmm. and so weak and so needy of Him. So I I just say that to all of our listeners, that wherever you are in -hmm. in life, and and many of us are in difficult places, we just have to know that God's principal action towards me is one of mercy. Mm -hmm. In other words, He's so ready to lift me up, so ready to accompany me, so ready to um, come to my aid. Mm -hmm. Um, When we turn to Him, it's not just about us rattling off our needs, well, are we turning to Him? Mm-hmm. Are we trusting Him? Mm-hmm. Are we embracing His plan in our life? Um, th- those are kind of the the things that I, I I kind of think about when with mercy is that it's a reciprocal, it's a relationship. Like God's not gonna, He's a gentleman. He's mm-hmm. not gonna force Himself on us, right? Right? He waits for us to turn to Him, and then that relationship begins because it's it's interpersonal,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right?
1: It's not one direction; it's two direction, right? Um, so, I just think uh, we should look at our relationship with God in that two dimensional interpersonal way rather than kind of in a one direction maybe that if we fall into that or um, I just think it opens our eyes up to truly how he he wants to be in our life, he wants mm-hmm. to come to us. But again, he's a gentleman and he, he doesn't force himself on
0: us. Right, right. You know, one of the shows we talked about how that painting, that that iconic painting of Jesus on one side of the door, mm. but the doorknob is on the side of the door of us, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Each one of us has that choice. He's going to be there and he's knocking on the door and he would love for us to open it. But he, like you said, he's a gentleman. He's not yep. going to force his yep. way in. Yep. It's up to us. Yep. It's just up to Another us. Another image, that
1: yeah. comes to me. Some of you may or may not know the Caravaggio image. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of, of famous images of our Lord in the gospel. One of them that, that has always striked me, and I think it does relate to mercy, is the encounter with the doubting Thomas, mm. if you remember. Now if you haven't seen the 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 painting, it basically is our Lord um, before St. Thomas with his uh you know it's the upper room. Christ has appeared and is resurrected. Form right before the apostles, and there is um, there is Thomas, and he is taking the finger of Thomas mm-hmm. and literally guiding it into his side. Yeah. So what does that communicate? It, it communicates. Listen, your wounds, your struggles, your difficulties have to be united to mine. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really fundamental to mercy is that we have to be careful of what fear does to us, how mm-hmm. it paralyzes us, mm-hmm. and and love. As it says in the first letter of John, "Casts out
0: all fear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and so I think it's really important if you do battle with fear or you're paralyzed in some form, you have to know that God wants you to come out of that state, He wants you to go beyond that, and that freedom that He is offering to you is is fundamentally in you turning to him and bringing your sins and weaknesses and struggles to him, and la- literally bringing them into his own mm. side uh, mm. where those wounds that, that he suffered.
0: All yeah, right. That is a great visual. It really is a great visual. I've heard... Somebody else say, I think Father Ketter mentioned it in something he gave. And then I also, John Paul II, I think, mentioned it all as well about just that whole image of Jesus during his passion. Jesus on the cross was the most intimate invitation that we could have, Mm. Um, that it was the most intimate time of him loving us and showing his mercy was during his very passion and that each time we're suffering. Like you said, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, whether it's your own sin or whether it's something out of your control, that you're dealing with a pain, a sorrow, a suffering, he invites you to to marry it to his. He invites you into that place where he was so right, much suffering right, on our right, behalf. Yeah. Um, Could I add to something to that? Too? Sure, please. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah.
1: Married, I imagine.
0: You're yes, married. I am married. Okay. Huh.
1: Well, last night you had you were with your friends, and I was with some friends too, which were five married women. Uh. <laughs> long story. Why you, you had gathered together, but... and you
0: made it out alive. I know, I made it out alive exactly.
1: <laughs> But sure. I'll, I'll say this, and I kind of said this to them um, last night to all our listeners who are married, because marriage, um, as we know, what a beautiful vocation it is, but it comes with a lot of um, heavy crosses. Mm-hmm. Right, you're sanctifying one another in in, in this beautiful journey to heaven. Um, but one of the things we can do is see the crosses or the failings of our marriage as something that divides us. Mm. And I think to this point that we're looking at the image of Caravaggio and and what Christ is inviting us to, Mm -hmm. I really would call all of our listeners who are married Mm -hmm. to look at the crosses in their marriage as invitations, Mm -hmm. not as something to separate you from your spouse Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or to be resentful Mm -hmm. or angry about, but to go there and say, all right, let me look at those crosses and see what Christ is trying to teach me through them, mm-hmm. and have I truly given them to Him? Have we both spouses talked about it and tried to bring those crosses to our Lord? I think that is in a huge healing moment mm-hmm. that many marriages don't even know how to do. Right? Uh, they don't even know. They've even heard that before. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But it's a it's a huge grace and blessing if you can look at your marriage in that way, rather than. Kind of distastefully, oh, my marriage is pathetic and useless and I'll never get to where I'm supposed to be. Well, maybe you are, but you're called to it through the struggles that every marriage has.
0: Right, right, definitely. I often think that both marriage as well as parenthood are the most sanctifying opportunities that we have. Absolutely. Because it's in those intimate relationships where all the real stuff happens, all the really difficult stuff happens. You know, and I was thinking about when I was thinking about mercy and something else I read talked about how. Uh, if you talk about, once again, Jesus's passion and you wa- watch what he did during each step of his passion and how mercy was another way to look at mercy is also it's forgiveness in action. It's it's that forgiveness. It's that love and forgiveness that he showed at every turn. Right. You mm. know, he's getting he's getting um, arrested in the garden and he heals the ear of of the high priest servant, right? right? Seriously. He Mm -hmm, reaches out mm -hmm. and offers, you know, love. It's for, it's love. This forgiveness woven up. Mercy is that love and forgiveness, all that together. He should be striking people down. You know, he's got all the power in the universe and he doesn't use any of it. He restrains that power and instead reaches out in love all along the way. Peter denies him he still gives Peter a look of compassion Judas denies him he still talks to Judas as a friend mm-hmm. you know the the sinner on the cross or the the thief on the cross next to him he promises him and so it's and so take that now and look at all the ways your spouse offends you mm-hmm. right throughout the day or throughout your marriage you're so close to each other that you know which but- buttons to push you right, know exactly right. how to exactly. really offend just like those people who Jesus was closest to they're the ones who offended who betrayed and he continued to love he continued to love he continued to love and to serve and to show mercy and to show grace and i think that's what you're i think that's what i'm hearing you say is that is. each of those crosses in our marriages or even in our being a, a, a husband, not just the husband or wife, but also being a mother or a father, each of those are, are opportunities where we can say, fill me, Lord, with your love and your compassion and your mercy so that I can then pour it out by exactly. being merciful yeah. and yeah. forgiving and yeah. loving in the midst. And those
1: responses, Mary, are impossible
0: mm-hmm. unless
1: mm-hmm. we pray. Right. It goes back to your former shows here on prayer. Right. If we we have to give time to developing a prayerful prayerfulness and a prayerful spirit, because that's what gives us the strength and the conviction and the virtue to deal with all these difficulties that are in marriage Mm -hmm. and family life that we all have. It's not like we're meant to run from them, though. to embrace them freely and and know that
0: God's going to work through them when we see them the way he sees them. Right, right, exactly. Because we can't do it on our own, right? Right. Yeah, Corey Ten Boom once she was supposed to give forgiveness and mercy to somebody. And she said, I can't do it on my own. There's no way I can do it. Um, I had to. I asked the Holy Spirit. I asked Jesus to come and and he did it for Mm -hmm. me. Um, There's another quote that I love that was from Pope Francis. And he said, he said, um, mercy gives rise to joy because our hearts are opened to the hope of a new life. Mm. mercy gives rise to joy because our hearts are open to the hope of a new life and maybe that's something that needs to happen in your marriage right now maybe you need a hope of a new life maybe you need a hope of a new life in the life of your, your son or your daughter um, or somebody who's really important to you in your life and mercy gives rise to that joy so letting yourself soak into the mercy of God and then be able to offer that in, in as well nice yeah. yeah.
1: I think the heaviness of our own Weaknesses and struggles—you <clears throat> know—that's not something God wants us to, 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 to keep, right? Mm-hmm. To hold on to. That's why the sacrament of reconciliation, mm-hmm. that's why prayer, all of these things are kind of like releases for that heaviness so yeah. that we can embrace, as as Pope Francis said, that joy that he wants us to have. We, right. we can't let go of that. It's very difficult to embrace the hope and joy that comes from grace and comes right. from what God wants to give us.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's another one. I hadn't ever put together really mercy and then, well, I guess I should have. This is, I'm telling on myself a little bit here, but that sacrament of reconciliation and the gift of mercy, mm. that it really is. And Pope Francis even talked about, he said, it was actually going to reconciliation when he was about 17 that put him on the path of becoming a priest. And Beautiful. he said it was because he had experienced God's mercy, and it was the experience of God's mercy through reconciliation Beautiful. that set him on a new path in his life. Yeah, so really, so very cool. Um, I think that that's one of those sacraments that a lot of times as Catholics we're kind of afraid of.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, well, we're afraid yeah. of ourselves. We don't like to come into the light oh, and yeah. see all our, our, our wrinkles and our zits and all that. And, and so it's easy just to hide. Yeah. When we do that, we don't want to pray because it exposes us. We don't like to go to the sacrament. So we are, we're very professional at hiding from God. I mean, it's Genesis all over again. Yeah. The fig leaves go yeah, up, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. And you know, one of the stories that somebody said is just an iconic story for Christ's mercy in the New Testament is the story of the woman at the, the Samaritan woman at the well. Right. And that's once again, she's there in the middle of the day, so nobody else will be around her. Yet she's there in the middle of the day where it's bright sunshine Mm. and Jesus shows up and he's not even supposed to be there as a good Jew. He's supposed to walk around Samaria. He's not even supposed to be near her. And he's not supposed to talk to a woman and all the rest of it. And yet he's there because, as some people say, Jesus really likes sinners. (laughs) So (laughs) so he loves to see us in the sacrament of reconciliation because he likes sinners. He loves us. And he sees where our needs are. He sees where our wounds are. He sees where our hurts are. And he wants to heal those. And that's what he offers her, right? He offers her his living water, which is what he offers to each and every one of us as well. He offers his mercy and his his healing, strengthening living water. Amen. And then what does she do with it? Right. She runs off and she evangelizes. Right. She goes off and she, she tells it, it for herself. But she she gives it to others. She's got. Yeah, she's got that joy of that new hope. Right. That right. hope in a new life that she's got. Yes, definitely. Okay, so this is pretty deep conversation. This is fun so far. <laughs> so deep. It's great. So we're going to be taking a break in just about a minute or so. But before we take a break and invite our, our guest for this hour, um, I want to make sure that we remind our listeners about our Fatima giveaway. Um, we have got tickets to a drive-in screening of the new Fatima movie that's going to take place on August 5th at St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Kennesaw. And we have got tickets for you. So to win these tickets, all you need to do is submit your story of how Fatima has impacted your life, and you could submit it to info at and we are... Uh, accepting submissions through tomorrow, right, Annie? Is it tomorrow? Yep, okay, so through tomorrow, those, your submissions can come in. So we look forward to uh, seeing all those wonderful stories, and we will get you some tickets to that driving screaming sc- screening of the new Fatima movie. So we will head to break in just a couple seconds, and when we come back, we have got our guest, and our guest for this um, next half hour is going to be T.J. Capaldi, and we will tell you all about him as soon as we come back. Stay tuned. I'm Kathy from the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. You've discovered AM 1160 The Quest. Listen on air during daylight hours or 24-7 at thequestatlanta.com. Welcome to The Quest. The Quest presents a daily dose of virtue with Jay Tremonti from Venture with Virtue.
3: Defining moments, we all have them. Bill Hanslick shared his with me that led to playing in the NBA, the most difficult moment when he was let go from his dream job as NBA coach, and where he is today, which is the happiest place of his career, running a nonprofit. Bill didn't see it at the time, but now looking back, he admits none of it would have happened without God. This can happen to us as well. Have you looked back lately? Have you identified your defining moments? Without recognizing God in the past, it's hard to trust Him in the present. If we want to grow in the virtue of faith, it's essential to practice trusting God. The more we trust God, the more we say yes to Him with our mind and our will, and the more we grow in faith and live the good life on the path to heaven. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com.
2: Howdy, folks. This is Jimmy Aiken from Catholic Answers Live. The COVID-19 situation has affected us all, including your local Catholic radio station. We need your
3: help to make sure this vital missionary work continues and no gift is too small. Together, we can make a difference. Please make a donation to support the work of this station today. Thank you and God bless you. Donate at thequestatlanta.com.
1: Win tickets from The Quest to a drive-in movie screening of Fatima on August 5th at St. Catherine of Siena in Kennesaw by submitting your story on how Fatima has impacted your life. Email us your story to info at thequestatlanta.com.
3: Submissions accepted through July 29th.
0: Welcome back to Shelter in Peace on AM 1160, The Quest, your Catholic radio station. I'm Mari Cleveland, and I'm here with my guest co host today, Father Martin Connor. And we have a special guest um, for this next half hour. We have T.J. Capaldi with us. And T.J. actually is a graduate of Georgia Tech. He is a former seminarian from here in Atlanta, the Archdiocese of Atlanta. And he is currently a teacher and a coach at Blessed Trinity Catholic High School. Woohoo, That's where my kids go to high school, down the street here in Roswell, Georgia. So, T.J., welcome to The Quest.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Mari. It's great to be with you.
0: We are so glad that you are here, and thank you for calling in. I know that you are actually calling in from your hometown. So um, so as we get started, you have quite the background there, as as our listeners just heard, a, a Georgia Tech graduate, a, a former seminarian, and now a, a teacher and a coach, but that's not where it all began. So would you like to introduce yourself a bit and tell our listeners a little bit more about you?
3: Absolutely. Um, I grew up here. Yeah, I am visiting family right now in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, Way up north. So, you know, sometimes we get called a Yankee down there in Atlanta. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh. Um,
1: no worries. I'm a Yankee too. I'm from Baltimore, right. Maryland. So,
3: we're
1: in good company.
0: Oh, I think yeah. we're getting outnumbered ad- here today, Annie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, good, uh, mostly Italian family up here. Um, and then when it came time to, you know, grew up in the faith, going to church on Sunday, um, and then it came time to make a decision about college um i had an opportunity actually to go uh, wrestle in college and that was that's one of the things that i coach at blessed trinity and uh it was i was very excited about that possibility but i decided instead of sticking around here and sticking with wrestling that i just wanted to go do something completely different um and kind of take a chance and so i i was accepted to georgia tech I, i I went for it. I didn't know anybody in Atlanta, anybody at Georgia Tech, really. Um, and uh, I'm just so grateful for that that decision that I made because uh, so many good things happened for me at Georgia Tech. Uh, it was an incredible experience there. Um, you know, um, that was really the place, I think, where I first, not first, but uh, experienced it in a new way, in a, in a more powerful way, um, God, the love of God, the community of the Church, um, just had, uh, I met a lot of outstanding people there, and, uh, had great, uh, witness to the faith through, uh, three different chaplains, um, at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center, the time that I was there, I had, um, Father Tim Hepburn was there, Father, uh, Kevin Peake, and Father Josh Allen, um, just had a great, <laughs> you know, Georgia Tech, many times we, uh, uh, we take more than four years to graduate. I was there for about uh, five and a half. I uh, made the most of it, I like to say. That's great. Um, yeah, and uh, that was really the place where I started to, uh, you know, live the faith, learn the faith, take the faith seriously. It was a place of what I would—I would use the word conversion, even though I didn't come from a different faith tradition or anything like that.
1: You call that a reversion, TJ.
3: Right. A reversion right, back, right? An,
1: That's what happened to me, Yeah, too. kind of— yeah.
3: Reversion in college at Georgia Tech. It was right. you know, just a, a great experience there, and I, you know, I think maybe my first profound experience of God's mercy. Um, Through the sacraments, through the people that I met, through uh, interactions with the priests, and all all those good things that happened.
0: So, TJ, I'm going to ask, I'm going to stop you for a second because, as a mom sending her kids off to college, you know, oftentimes Mm -hmm. we have this just burden on our hearts that we're sending the sending them into dens of iniquity. You know, we're sending Mm -hmm. them to these terrible, awful places, and here you are giving us hope that wow, they could actually have a reversion that they can go and they can find uh, just these godly people who can put, set them on the path and reorder their lives and all kinds of things or, or continue. I, I think in some, a lot of cases we do have kids coming out of really strong faith backgrounds, but then we're afraid of what happens when they go to college. What? How did you get drawn into going to the Catholic Center? Do you remember that, what what first Absolutely. drew you and how that happened?
3: That's a great question. Um, So I do remember on my tour at Georgia Tech, you know, uh, the year before uh, I decided to go there, Um, I was with my father, and I remember he, as they were saying, oh, and some of the, you know, Christian buildings and communities are down this way, and we saw the Catholic Center, and my dad kind of pointed it out to me. (laughs) I always remember that (laughs) moment. You know, he's kind of being subtle about, hey, you could hang out there. And, um, you know, it wasn't the first place that I chose to hang out, um, you know, in the beginning, I knew that that was where to go to Mass, and so I would go to Mass on Sunday. Um, but really, I got more involved in other things, and I didn't necessarily start out on the right path. Uh, you know, um, I found a lot of um, good things in uh, Greek life at Georgia Tech. I also, you know, encountered some not-so-good things there. Um, I got very involved uh, in different organizations on campus, and those were all positive experiences. Um, but it was some of the people I met in those groups um, that I noticed, hey, there's something different about these people. Mm. Um, These people know Jesus in a way that that I don't, Um, and He affects their life uh, somehow that I have not experienced before. And in the beginning, I didn't want to respond to that, you know, like that resistance Mm -hmm. um, that we get, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but in time... In time, I just realized some of the decisions I was making in college were not making me happy, you know, they were supposed to be making me happy, whether it was in Greek life culture, you know, party culture, or whatever else. Um, you know, and I just got to a point where I realized I need to reach out to God for help, and I did, and uh, He was very merciful and, and generous. And
1: TJ, um, quick question. Yeah. Um, when, was there ever a time in college that you didn't go to Mass?
3: Uh, yes, right before this kind of uh, kind of conversion really came to a head, um, I.
1: So it was freshman year, sophomore year. What we what kind of what was the year?
3: Probably right around the second year was when I started to be a, a little bit more lax, and maybe I noted. I think it was very noticeable to me when I didn't go to mass for the first time because it wasn't really an intentional thing. It was kind of kind of just happened. Mm-hmm.
1: It's yeah. interesting. I don't know if you know the stat that. Currently, right now, I mean, it's been so you graduated what year you graduate?
3: Uh, two th- uh, from Georgia Tech or yeah, high school? From Tech. Uh, 2014. Yeah, because I had just re-
1: recently read a stat that if a freshman does not connect with his Catholic community within the first three weeks mm-hmm. of his freshman year, the chances of him returning to, you know, practice or Sunday mass. I mean, it's ridiculous. The stat, I don't even, I think it's like 80% don't. So you're kind of an exception. The fact that Mm -hmm. you did go, then step back and can't, you know, it's just interesting how community is so huge to, 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 to a consistency in your, your faith practice. You know what I mean?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And that was the craziest thing to me because if you had asked me, you know, um, when I first started at Georgia Tech or when I graduated from high school, if I would ever end up in seminary, I I probably would have laughed in your face, you know? Um, But it really was through the community and seeing that other people were living this life um, where they were fulfilled. You know, they had issues and they had challenges just like Mm. anybody else, but they were facing them with a different uh, look on their face. Um, uh, Mm. That really struck me.
1: Yeah, I think the joy, uh, we we talked on the first... uh, half hour, JJ, a little bit about mercy. And and we're going to hear from you on, on that uh, with some stories, I, I believe. But the whole idea of how joy and hope are, are so tied to an encounter of God's mercy in your life. And I'm sure that's exactly what happened to you when you came back, so to speak, to the faith and had that encounter. It, it had a lot to do with your brokenness and your letting go. Of your past and your weaknesses and really entrusting your life to christ in, in in a new way i i is that more or less what happened or maybe you can fill us in a little bit more
3: absolutely um yeah i think it was realizing that i was not the man who i wanted to be mm-hmm. right a, a big wake up a big wake-up call for me was realizing and some people realized this earlier but for me it just you know, it never clicked um that one day, most likely, I was going to be a husband and a father. And um, the decisions I was making on a day-to-day basis um, when I was in college were going to make me the man I was going to be, the husband that I was going to be, the father that I was going to be. And that kind of, that struck some fear into me Mm.
2: Um,
3: because I wanted to be, I didn't want to be a bad husband. I didn't Mm. want to be a bad father. And so it it caused me to start to think about the decisions I was making on a day-to-day basis. And um, in some ways I felt very insufficient to the task. You know, I felt too weak to, uh, make some of those changes. And that was some of my motivation. Uh, you know, I also went through a process of like investing, trying to prove the church wrong and end up learning so much more about the mm. faith and realized that I, <laughs> probably the church was right about most of her teachings but, or all of her teachings, the doctrine, right? I couldn't really poke too many holes in the boat, um, and then in the midst of that was, or in the, maybe the culmination of that was, okay, coming to the person of Christ and saying, I can't do this. Mm. I, can't do, I mm. can't do this. I need your help. Please help me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we just talked about that. We talked about how we can't do anything except through him. We can't forgive other mm. people. We can't love other people. We have to first let him pour his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and all that into us before we can do that. And it sounds like that's what you realized and came and asked him for that
3: yeah amen yeah
0: absolutely. i I heard you know your stories making me think of a quote i heard yesterday as well i thought it was so amazing it was um thomas aquinas and he said you want to be happy you want to be happy so in order to be happy you need to love what jesus loved when he was on the cross and despise Mm -hmm. what he despised when he was on the cross so if you Mm -hmm. think about it he despised obviously sin and he was against all these things. Thomas Aquinas talks about these things that as humans we seek. We seek wealth or pleasure or power or honor. You know, the things that a typical college student is kind of going for. You know, what's what's the major that's going to make me the most money? Or, or this is so much yeah. fun getting to drink all this beer and all this, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And he said instead, you know, Christ didn't have any of that. He didn't have wealth or pleasure or power or honor on the cross. But instead, what he had on the cross, what he loved, what he demonstrated was doing his father's will and then giving his own life as a gift. And if we start to love those things, then we will be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty cool. Okay, so yeah. you met these great people, and you—I mean—that of <laughs> priest that you told us about. Good grief, no wonder! I mean, I would—I yeah. would be very surprised if you didn't head into se- seminary after being under all of them, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so then, what happened next?
3: Well, I would add just one more uh, kind of fun fact note, almost uh, on the, the Georgia Tech experience. Ra- around the same time, all this was happening, uh, you, the. Sister of your producer uh, Annie, um, (laughs) her name is Abby. Came to work at Georgia Tech, um, and one of her the primary things she focused on her ministry was uh, teaching the theology of the body. In other words, a vision for uh, Catholic vision for human sexuality and love uh, between men and women, and. that really was like rocket fuel for my conversion. Oh, and uh, wow. Actually, I, I think I the reason I recognize Father's name is because, uh, I, Father, do you have some experience teaching Theology of the Body? In I do. Time? In fact,
1: Abby and I did study at one moment in Philadelphia. I, we, I don't know if she graduated, but I graduated from the Theology of the Body Institute in Philadelphia and actually just published a book last week. On the same Wonderful. theme, uh, so I, I, it is rocket full fuel for, for sure, and, and, and that's why I wrote it, because it, it has the impact like you're, like you're describing. Beautiful. Mm-hmm.
3: So, that's so yeah, awesome. That was a big thing, and I got, I got involved uh, in some ministries around uh, Atlanta. I mean, mainly we started at Abbey, um, and I, I helped Abbey to kind of start out the ministry formally there at Georgia Tech, and they're still still going strong now as far as I know which is great. Um, and uh, that helped me to think about vocation, um, you know, and um, uh, ended up applying to seminary, going to seminary, uh, and uh, that was just an incredible experience. I was, in, I was in New Orleans at Notre Dame Seminary for three years of formation, two years studying philosophy, and one year studying theology. Um, But, and I stepped away, Uh, even when I stepped away, I, it was bittersweet. You know, I, I knew it was the right step to take, but I loved my experience there and I'm grateful for it in in an incredible way.
0: That's great. And I'm sure the blessings that you received are now blessings that you can pour out on your high school students.
3: Absolutely. No question about it. I I think of Georgia, my time at Georgia Tech and my time at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans, and just as a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Atlanta, as just times of incredible grace. um, Just God gives so many blessings, you know, when things are good and when things are difficult, you know, He was still giving so much grace. And I think even now, I draw on those experiences, um, and I find sometimes God surprises me with new ways, you know, new things. Maybe I didn't even notice about those memories or those experiences that helped me to get through the things that I'm facing today. Um, And maybe that's an example of of, uh, God's mercy in the present moment or, or something like that.
0: That's great. You know, so one of the other things we haven't even mentioned this, that you did what you were at while you were at Georgia tech, um, is something very similar to what we're doing here. You were involved in actually a radio program or a podcast <laughs> program, right?
3: That's right. Yeah. Um, and I, after we spoke the first time, I remembered another thing uh, last year at, Ge- at uh blessed Trinity. I was also in charge of the broadcasting club. Ah, there you there. go. So I called a few, um, blessed Trinity football games, but yes, um, After I graduated from Georgia Tech, um, they had uh, applied for and were awarded a grant to help promote vocations um, at the Catholic Center. And so uh, with some of the grant money, they established a position. Um, It was kind of like an internship-type position. Uh, And I was the first to take that position. After I I graduated in December, I wasn't going to seminary until August. And the first thing that uh, the chaplain asked me to do uh, when I became, when I took this position was, um, Hey, can we do a podcast? Can we start a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I studied computer science at Georgia tech. I knew my way around a little bit of you know basic stuff. And so, um, I said, yeah, I think we can do that. And I did a little bit of research and we just kind of threw it together and made it happen. It's out there. It's called, um, you know, at Georgia Tech, uh, we have the fight song um, "Hell of an Engineer," um, so we called the podcast "a hell of, the hell of a Catholic podcast." Kind of a that's great. ironic, humorous name, yeah. Um, and it's and still out there in like, App
0: Store world. Yeah, she can go on that. Right. Yeah, App Store and find that. That's great. And what kind of reception did you guys get?
3: It was slow at first, but I think it it became kind of a, at least a locally known thing, and uh, a lot of the people who were a part of that community there at uh, the Georgia Tech Catholic Center, um, you know, received it as a gift, even though sometimes, you know, it was sometimes more hit than miss than others, you know, but, um, yeah. but it turned into a pretty solid podcast and it was another way, you know, outside of like just going to church, going to Bible study, or hearing a homily, right. It was another way to get, a, you know, like a, a nuanced perspective on some, usually some interesting or difficult topic Mm
2: -hmm.
3: from uh, a priest uh, who knew what he was talking about, and then, you know, co-hosts and guests who were just doing their best. (laughs) So
0: So it was Father Josh Allen, right? Father Josh was the one who was the priest on that podcast?
3: Yes, that's right. And it was, um, and I believe Father Branson Hip, who's there now, I believe they're still doing some form of the podcast. I don't know exactly what it looks like.
0: Yes, I once climbed a mountain in Nicaragua with Father Branson. Hit before he was a priest. Wow. Yes, he's a great guy cool. too. Okay, so we've got all these great um, resources, and um, Father Connor, we didn't mention real briefly, but um, what was the name of your new book that you just published last week?
1: It's called "Reclaiming Love: Connecting the Head and the Heart." So it's it's essentially about emotional integration, mm-hmm. how you're how we're meant to love authentically with. Our head and our hearts, mm-hmm. and how that you know gets complicated yeah. for human beings, but how that actually um, works in mm-hmm. the day to day love. But it's based in John Paul II's teaching, uh, but it's in, it's really a summary of about five years of interviews that mm-hmm. I did with single people, dating people, married people, mm-hmm. on what healthy love looks like and what unhealthy love looks like. And so it's kind yeah. of a summary of that in light of what JP two says in in his works.
0: Okay, great. So, Because that's essentially what we're talking about today, right? We're talking about, okay, how do we take some of these really challenging topics, um, and TJ, like you just said, there are these podcasts that are out there in some ways that can help with that. There are wonderful books about love and integrating ourselves and recognizing that us being able to take on the love and the mercy of God is the only way that we can then do His will and love other people and bring them to his kingdom but uh, t j you were the one who actually brought up the topic of mercy for us to talk about mm-hmm. today, and you mentioned that you had um, something something that happened in your life that you thought was just um, a real good example of uh, that, that that spoke to that topic. Would you like to share that with our listeners?
3: oh s- certainly and uh, just uh some quick background kind of interesting. Um, maybe 30 seconds before I go into the story, is uh, we have so many feasts in the Church calendar, and uh, sometimes we just think they've been around forever, but a lot of those feasts have been established by the Church um, for particular reasons at particular points in history. For example, Corpus Christi, you know, for devotion to the Eucharist, and in that way, you know, centuries ago, in the 13th century, I believe, Sacred Heart, uh, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, has been around since the 17th century, you know, To was created for a specific purpose that was needed at that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And we have a few that are more recent, like 1925, the Feast of Christ the King, mm-hmm. um, 1955, uh, St. Joseph the Worker, and uh, it wasn't until 2001 that we celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I just mentioned that as background, because Divine Mercy Sunday has a lot to do with um, kind of my story and my experience of, of mercy. Um, it's a story of, of really my relationship with my brother through multiple different stages. And when I was uh, very young, just growing up in the church, um, I don't remember, I mean, maybe a little bit from my parents, you know, just my, I remember my dad teaching me the Our Father and things like that. Um, so when I went into church at a young age, maybe under the age of ten, that's what's what I had in my arsenal. Kind of normal, for the most part, right? So mm-hmm. when I would kneel down to pray, I would I'd have my Our Fathers and my Hail Marys and my Glory Bees, and uh, I would think, what should I pray for? You know, like what should my intentions be? And uh, you know, you have a special connection with siblings, um, uh, and uh, I had that connection with my brother we loved each other very much but we also you know uh, you know fought and didn't get along as kids do mm-hmm. and so i would the first thing i would think of is i should pray for my brother when as a little kid
0: so god just um, like put that on your heart you just to pray yeah. for your brother uh-huh
3: and i think that was like maybe like the seeds of of my prayer life and you know again like you said something god was doing um there and um, as time went on um maybe we kind of went in different directions. You know, I spoke a little bit about my own, um, conversion, reversion experience in college. Um, by that point in my life, my brother had kind of gone in a different direction and we had grown apart. Um, and he, um, you know, had some difficult things going on in his life uh, that he was dealing with. Uh, you know, for example, some, uh, substance abuse issues. He, he, he had been, um, in the military, he served in combat in Afghanistan in 2010, mm-hmm. I believe, um, and saw a lot of c- combat. They were there for maybe nine months and saw over 250 firefights. So he was wow. very affected by that experience. And so, while he was overseas, I continued to pray for him. Right as things seemed to be on the decline, I continued to um, to pray for him. Uh, and so that was kind of like just a new stage of that same thing that had started from the time I was very young. And in uh around the time I graduated from college, I, I came home to visit family and I, I noticed that things were not going particularly well. Um and at the same time I had just uh introduced my mother to the to the Divine Mercy chaplet, which is a prayer mm-hmm. um that's prayed on rosary beads that our lord um jesus gave to saint faustina um saint faustina Kv- kowalska maybe i won't yeah. try yeah, kowalska, yep, pretty yep. close. Um saint faustina received this prayer in messages from jesus that have kind of been approved as private revelation uh, by the church says you know you can venerate these uh, these messages these um devotions that come from this it's a beautiful uh quick powerful prayer and so I taught it to so my mother. I gave her a little uh, prayer card that explained it. And uh, <coughs> I was worried about leaving. When I was leaving home, I was very worried about my brother and what was going on in his life. And so every day I would pray. Um, almost every day I would pray this prayer. I would pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and I would ask the Lord very specifically, you know, to, to really to protect his life. Um, and... Uh, to grant him the graces of healing and conversion and and if it wasn't in God's will to um, you know allow his life to continue to give him the graces that he needed for heaven you know to to give him the grace of um, the grace of repentance and the grace of faith and the the grace of all those things that that we need in that most difficult time, the end of our life um, because I did have this kind of faith in God's mercy in that sense, um, Mm -hmm. that that God could uh, help even him, even though he seemed very far from God on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And for months, I was praying this almost every day, and then I went on a uh, mission trip to Peru, and I kind of forgot about the prayer. And we got to the end of the mission trip, and we're out in a shanty town in the middle of nowhere, uh, limited water and electricity, and somebody tapped, I think I was shoveling concrete or something like that, or cement. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, TJ, there's a phone call for you. Mm. Not the kind of place where you usually get a phone call. And, uh, I knew immediately what it was, but I, uh, I want, I didn't want to believe it. But so my mom was on the other end of the phone telling me that my brother was in the hospital and that he wasn't going to be coming home. Mm. And, um, uh, in that moment, I experienced kind of the deepest spiritual poverty that I think I've ever experienced. And when I say spiritual poverty, I mean I had nothing to offer, you know, nothing to say, nothing I could do. I felt very helpless. And um, the only thing that came to my mind, and I believe this was kind of a grace from God, a gift, um, was to tell my mother, well, before they, you know, turn everything off, so to speak, um, would you go in back into that hospital room? And uh, please uh, pray. Do you remember that prayer that I showed you in January? And she said, mm. yes, um, I still have it in my purse. Wow. I said, would you go back into that room and, and please um, pray that prayer? And, you know, I don't know who all was, uh, was all present there, family members, friends, and different stages in their own faith experience, but they all went back into the room together and prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet with, with my brother before they... Um, before they turned off. And uh, in the next couple of days, I made my way back home. And uh, in the midst of coming home, I was looking through my Divine Mercy um, materials. You know, like I had some pamphlets, maybe. Mm I have the the Diary of St. Faustina. And one of the entries in the diary, uh, it was uh, the words of Christ speaking to St. Faustina. It really stood out to me. Um, He said to her about the Divine Mercy Chaplet, if you pray this prayer in the presence of a dying person, um, I will come to them not as just judge, but as merciful Savior. Mm. And um, that was just kind of a reassurance that even though I didn't necessarily know exactly why I was remembering something that we should pray that prayer, um, it was God making Himself present in maybe the deepest, um, you know, Suffering the deepest tragedy of my life at that point, um, saying, "I am here. You know, my mercy is real. It's bigger than you thought it was, um, and you don't have anything, you know, really to worry about." Um, So it challenged me from you know way back to the beginning of Mm -hmm. when the seeds of my prayer life were just praying, you know, in our Father for my brother. Um, and, and really moving to a place where I was hoping one day that this this reconciliation, this healing would happen in this life, but really move my hope um, for the full redemption kind of beyond this world, um, to say that, you know, God is still working. He is working in this world. He does do miracles in this world, but the ultimate, um, the ultimate communion, the ultimate redemption, healing is going to be with Him in heaven.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing such an intimate story, TJ. And I know that that gives such hope to many of our listeners, um, just your story of your faithfulness, but also God's faithfulness and mercy back in that situation. Thank you so much.
3: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And
0: we are coming at the end of our hour here. Um, our listeners are just on the edge of their seats here. You guys, we can, you can all pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. We actually pray it here on the Quest at 3 o'clock every day. Um, so we actually have got to go to a hard stop, but we want to thank TJ for being here with us today, and actually Father Connor as well. Thank you both so very, very much. And we will say just a final quick prayer. TJ, can you close us in a, in a short prayer for our listeners?
3: Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of your mercy and the opportunity to uh, be with you here today. We ask you to continue to pour out your mercy upon us and make us merciful and bring us all to everlasting life. Amen. 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 In the
0: name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so very much. Listeners, we will see you again next week.